What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam, YouTube fam, podcast fam? Welcome to the first DFS lab of the week 11 2023 season. I am your host, JM to win. In a moment, I will be joined by Keegan, KTM128. We will be building a roster for this slate, giving ourselves an opportunity to open up the slate, talk about some of the unique components on this week's unique puzzle. Uh, and build a roster together so that we can see some of the ways that we might put pieces together and also talk through how we build rosters toward plus EV play, play that would be expected to make us money over time. With that, let's get started. One week season. Keegan, Keegan, Keegan. So weird week on my end. Uh, quick, quick production note for any of you watching No DFS Lab on Saturday this week, some crossed wires in communication on my end where our holiday travel is on a Friday, kind of a non-ideal day for me to be traveling, typically a day where I have a lot of podcasts and content. But um, so yeah, everything's kind of crunched around for me on this week, weird week on my end. How about you, Keegan? How you doing? Um, good week. It's a little busy. I don't know why it feels that way, but it feels like the week's kind of going by really slow for me, but not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. Maybe we're, we're synced up in our minds. I feel like when you have a, um, a kid under the age of two, every week's kind of like a bit, a bit of a big week. Cause yeah. you never know what'll happen. I'll tell you what though. I, I might've mentioned this last week. Maybe I didn't, uh, Goldie didn't, Goldie doesn't know that the time changed with daylight savings. So she already wakes up early. And so she's wow. been waking up at 5 a.m. most mornings. Wow. And um, so, yeah, that's been my my life the last couple of weeks is oh, 5 a.m. wake ups. Uh, Try to get a little snooze on the couch this morning. I got like 20 minutes of snoozing in across like three sleep sessions across uh, an hour. She woke me up one time uh, because she wanted to find her purse. She woke me up one time because she was sitting on me singing in Kanto songs uh, she woke me up another time because she wanted to take a bath at 5.45 in the morning. So uh, <laughs> that's been that's been my starts to the day lately. Maybe that's why uh, the, the weeks have felt long. The days have felt uh, the weeks have yeah. felt crunched together. But each each stage I've noticed of, uh, you know, the age has a different difficulty challenge <laughs> to deal with, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to all the dads out there. Shout out to all the dads. <laughs> indeed. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, all the all the stages have their own difficulties. All the stages have their own joys. Like everyone says, wait till they're teenagers. I'm like, man, teenagers are pretty dope. I don't know about like, <laughs> yeah. I always like teenagers, but uh, I, I mean, love the kids at this age as well. With that, nice little uh, nice little chat to start things out. Uh, you had a chance to look at this slate much this week? Yeah, yeah, I looked at it a little bit. Um, I did a bunch of hand builds last week, by the way. And Ooh, uh, nice man. All the right players in all the wrong lineups. <laughs> Feels um, good though, right? You know what I mean? Like it, it's like okay, that was there. It just didn't didn't yeah. come together. Yeah, it sucked, man. Because I had I had TJ Hawkinson because I had the thought like while building these lineups, I was like, man, I didn't really even really look at the the Vikings as a playable team this week or last week, and I just looked. I was like, okay, like viability wise who can score 30 points on this slate and i was like tj hawkinson can definitely score 30 points so i put him on a couple of my rosters and he he blew up and it was nice um i also put boyd on a couple um you helped me with the noah brown one you you put me on to him early that was nice my dude it was great yeah i had a again uh pollard hurt me d hop hurt me just you know the, the big ones yeah, the um, Pollard's going to be an interesting discussion point this week for sure because, again, everything points toward him, but, I mean, like much more so than last week in terms of how teams attack Carolina. Uh, you also mentioned Hawkinson brings up an interesting point. I brought this up on the Winter Circle podcast this week, but, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago I had low-owned Cole Komet, and he put up 23 points against – funny, uh, New Orleans back-to-back -back weeks, Komet against them two weeks ago, Hawkinson last week. Really good tight end defense. They're not a defense you – Typically, can get good tight end scores against, but uh, got these low owned 23 points from Komet and kind of didn't end up mattering because Dalton Schultz put up 30 uh, around the same price tag at high ownership. And Trey McBride put up 20, or I guess this was two weeks ago. Trey McBride has down game. Three weeks ago, Trey McBride had, uh, I had good tight end scores and Trey McBride had like better tight end scores or equal tight end scores. 
at an even lower price tag. Um, or was that two weeks ago? Was, was, did the, the Bears have a bye week? Uh, no, they did not. So, um, but yeah, and then uh, we've kind of seen this, right? Like last week, same thing. You get Hawkinson, who wasn't as high on as he should have been, kind of some reports about the rib issue and how that might affect him and his playing time and all that. But then, you know, everybody else gets the 25 points from Trey McBride. And, and so we're seeing tight ends pop off at a higher rate than normal lately. And one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of sharp DFS players putting out those double tight end builds. And I was looking through some things this week and, and just comparing like basic points per game, DraftKings points per game on Cole Komet, Logan Thomas, Trey McBride, uh, Trey McBride, you know, kind of an iffy one because it's, it's th a three game sample, but he has that role is real. We've seen it in the past with, with Zach Ertz. Uh, Evan Ingram, who has zero touchdowns on the year and yet averaging 11 DraftKings points per game, compare their points per game to the wide receivers priced around them. And they're fundamentally better plays than the wide receivers priced around them. And the typical argument there, the argument in the past would be, yeah, but like a good game an elite game from these tight ends is like 15 to 18 points. And you really want to be targeting 25 to 30 pointers. And you want to, you know, go for these volatile wide receivers who could get you those types of scores instead of the tight ends who might top out at 15 to 18. But Trey McBride, two games in the last three weeks with 24 plus points. Uh, Cole Komet has a 27 pointer this year, a 23 pointer this year. Uh, a 17 pointer this year, 15 pointer this year. So it's like, not only are the floors there, but the ceilings are there. Uh, Logan Thomas, another guy uh, who has a 21.7 pointer on his ledger. And then Evan Ingram, kind of an interesting one uh, this week against Tennessee. Last year against Tennessee, he had a game, I think it was eight catches, might've been six catches for like 142 yards and two touchdowns against Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, one of the best tight end defenses the last few years. But how about this? Evan Ingram, 67% of his snaps this year have been in the slot or out wide. Like he's listed as a tight end, but he's yeah. not a tight end. He's their number three yeah. wide receiver. And so, yeah, this, this tight end pool and even going up to like the Kincaid's and Laporta's. Um, yeah, just a really interesting, you know, way to adjust our thinking. We're always looking for uh, ways to adjust to the way that the NFL is being played and how we should adapt our DFS rosters as a result. So uh, definitely going to be focusing on some double tight end builds this week. And uh, even Tyler Conklin down here, 2,900, you look through his game logs and it's, you know, 14 points last week, 12.6 the week before he has a 10.7 pointer, a 9.8 pointer, a 10 pointer as a guy who's sub three K you can't get a three K wide receiver. Who's put up three games or five games of 9.8 or more DraftKings points, you know? So yeah, uh, yeah just some edge and Conklin, another guy with zero touchdowns on the year, putting up those scores in spite of, no touchdowns. Not, not that the Jets can be expected to score a lot of touchdowns, but just some really interesting angles to play around with. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Have you messed around with I know. I think you mentioned the double tight end builds a week or two ago. Have you messed around with those at all? Yeah, yeah. I did one last week. I did uh, Logan Thomas and TJ Hawkinson. Nice, nice. With, uh, paired that with um, Niners, 49ers. Nice. CMC got me 20-something points. But, Man, uh, and CMC, they tried to get him. I don't know if you saw this. They tried to get yeah. him that touchdown record, and yeah, he was, yeah. you know – Five more yards and a touchdown. He's up at 29 points because he gets the bonus as well. <laughs> um, totally different score. Yeah, you know, it was a weird it was it was a weird week for me. I had a horrible week in terms of results. Um, thankfully, a really good week in pickums. So I finished down just a little bit of money overall. But it was interesting because we talk about like how the sharpest DFS players, the people we're competing against for first place, they will. They're, they're these are typically the guys who are playing all the sports and. One of the things that they recognize is over time, if you just overstack, pick game environments and overstack them, you're going to make money over time in NFL DFS. So if you're grinding NBA six nights, seven nights a week, sure, you're still putting in your requisite time on the NFL site, but not as much time as the typical like hardcore NFL DFS player. And so they're not necessarily looking at, and I know a lot of these guys, right? They're not necessarily looking at each week and saying, okay, is this a week when it makes sense to overstack or should I kind of do more skinny stacks this week? No bringbacks this week. They just kind of say like, look, if I do this over time, it's going to make me money. And so we should recognize that one of the edges we can have is spotting the weeks where it doesn't make as much sense to overstack. It makes more sense to have these skinny stacks or a stack with no bringback or whatever it might be. So I say all that to say last week, I hammered all week that it was a week to overstack games, like pick game environments and bet on those game environments. Uh, so it's funny because I nailed that component of this last week's slate, but the game environments I bet on were, uh, you know, primarily Washington and Seattle 
and then San Francisco with and without bringbacks. Uh, funny because I even got those right, right? Purdy put up another 25 point or whatever. The 49ers scored over 30 points, but uh, Kittle was my lowest owned of those because it's so rare that he hits when everybody's healthy. And yeah. then on the commanders, uh, crazy stat. I was pulling this up this morning. Uh, Sam Howell, three games this year of 28 plus DraftKings points. Actually, let me see if I can find this uh, Washington write up where I put this. Okay. Uh, other quarterbacks in this slate with three games of 28 plus DraftKings points. Josh Allen, Dak Prescott. That's it. Uh, Tua has two games of 28 plus points. Herbert Fields, two games of 28 plus points. Stroud has one game of 28 plus points. Every other quarterback on this slate has zero games of 28 plus DraftKings points. Sam Howell has three games of 28 plus DraftKings points. Uh, nobody ever plays him except for me, probably you, probably people who listen to me. But yeah. um, Sam Howell, you know, last week, had a bunch of Sam Howell, as I always do, uh, put up another monster score. But uh, Brian Robinson was the was the best stacking yeah, partner yeah, there. Thirty point, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually on Saturday night I was like, man, you know what would be interesting? I kept going back and forth. I was like, would it be interesting to do some Brian Robinson, Sam Howell, like Sam Howell, Brian Robinson, or wide receiver or pass catcher? You know, uh, didn't end up pulling the trigger on that. Um, and then I didn't like I had a I had a bunch of Lions pieces, but I didn't heavily stack that Lions Chargers game. Didn't heavily stack the Texans Bengals game. And those are the ones that if you overstack them, like you hit on the right pieces. You know, so. Um, it was a weird thing where I, I nailed the way to approach the slate. Um, I nailed games that the scoring lined up, but just like the player production didn't line up and I missed the games. Like I didn't, I knew that those were the other games to consider, but I just didn't, those were not the games I focused on. So, um, yeah, it was just such a strange week on my end with all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned the, the Sam Howell thing because they have a great matchup this week and uh, he's still at 6,300. I know, I know, I know. And um, and it's like they're, they're the Giants are neutral in opponent pass rate over expectation and the commanders have the highest pass rate over expectation in the NFL. So uh, basically the Giants aren't going to tilt them to do anything different unless the game just gets wildly out of hand, which obviously could happen. Um, I played around with, you know, that that everybody attacks Washington with quarterbacks, right? Like how how far up could Tommy DeVito run the flag this week? Like how many points could he score? Can he actually put anything together? Um, but then you look at his price tag and it's like, he's 5k and you go up just a little bit higher and you've got Brock Purdy at 5,800 Sam Howell at 6,300. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't think I'll end up with the, um, the DeVito. You, the thing is you could do DeVito, Wondell Robinson, Darius Slayton, and it costs nothing. Yeah. You but, have some crazy, crazy lineups, but like you said, you could have some crazy lineups built around that. But the, um, yeah, that's like a Millie maker stack. Maybe the opportunity for that to actually hit is pretty low. In fact, um, DeVito completed, I think it was 63% of his passes in college, which is pretty bad. And he played four of his five years in the ACC, which is not top competition. Um, he played five seasons. He didn't start all five seasons, but he played games in all in five seasons uh, and only threw like 43 touchdown passes, which, you know, in college, you, these guys throw like 50 touchdown passes in a season. So um, yeah, DeVito's not that guy, <laughs> clearly. Uh, living at home, you know, his mom yeah, is dead. <laughs> Cook, cooking him his, his whatever, chicken tetrazzini. That's <laughs> pretty poor when he gets home. Shout out to Tommy DeVito. Uh, yeah, but no, it's a, it's an interesting week, and it's another week where I wouldn't say it's the same as last week, where it's just like stack up the games. But it is definitely a week where stacking up the games could viably be the way, I mean, that can always viably be the way to go. And again, like our sharpest competition is always going to be stacking up games. But the um, this is definitely a week where like to me, who's always kind of looking for, hey, is there an edge in not doing that this week? Uh, this is one of those weeks where uh, very much stacking up the, the games could be the way to go. Uh, speaking of that, any games that you've seen that have been standing out to you this week? Yeah, yeah. One, one more thing before we get into the games. Yeah, yeah. I guess this would be getting into the games, but um, two quarterbacks – I would like to know your opinion on Justin Fields and Kyler Murray this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know running quarterbacks are cheat code in, in DFS. I mean, look at Josh Dobbs, right? Like, yeah, he's not, he's not an elite thrower. He's a not, not an elite anticipatory guy, but when the play breaks down, he runs. And then all of a sudden he keeps putting up good. DFS. Even when he was with Arizona, right. There was one week where I really hammered the Dobbs doubles in my player grid and on my rosters. And that was like the one week where he totally bombed, but uh, like he's got all these 20 and 25 point games as a guy who's not, again, not like that guy. Yeah. The, both of those spots are really interesting to me. 
the Lions are one of these defenses that they're good because they're good. Like they're disciplined. They don't make mistakes. Uh, they're going to do all the little things right, but they're not like elite talent, right? And so what we've seen, I don't have the list of quarterbacks in front of me, but it's like, actually, I can just pull up Goff's game logs just to see who they've played. Um, Mahomes did not have a good game against them, but Lamar Jackson had a big game against them. Justin Herbert had a big game against them. Uh, Geno Smith had a big game against them. So it's like these good quarterbacks and good offenses are able to have good games against them. I wouldn't put Justin Fields into that category of, you know, good quarterback and a good offense. But Justin Fields, one of his, you know, 40 plus point games was against Detroit last year. It was on the backs of like 146 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Uh, these two games this year, again, we, we have to account for the fact they were against Denver before Denver started putting things together and against Washington, who everybody smashes. But these games where he had 335 passing yards, 282 passing yards, four passing touchdowns in both games, that's really unusual for Justin Fields. If we look through his his games last year, right? It's like if he passes for 200 yards, that's a good Justin Fields game. So it does come down to how many rushing yards is he able to put together, but the ceiling is there. And then same thing with Kyler Murray, where uh, we saw a couple of years ago, um, uh, last year before he got hurt. And, and I believe it started a couple of years ago where he really just started running the ball a lot less and trying to become more of a pocket passer, but that was also a totally different coaching staff. And this last week, they really were kind of proactive in letting him run the ball and, um, and so one of the things I really like about both these games, Detroit is probably going to score points against Chicago and Houston is probably going to score points against Arizona. So you have quarterbacks who are capable of making big plays, capable of running the ball and should be chasing points in these games. So uh, I think I have a, you know, I had like a list kind of my initial, this isn't my official list, but my initial list had six quarterbacks on it. And then that was before the Deshaun Watson news. So that brings it down to five quarterbacks. Uh, and Fields and Kyler are two of those those five quarterbacks. So um, seven right now. I probably should lower that pool. But no, I mean, it, you know, I guess there's, you know, what is there? Twenty two quarterbacks on the slate. I don't think there's a wrong number, especially if you're going MME. Um, you know, in this this list, actually, this is like a list that I made, and I've since expanded it to add Stroud. So Stroud wasn't on this list. Um, he is now just because, like, well, it depends on the Nico Collins situation. But if you get if Nico Collins is out and Devin uh, and Damian Pierce is out, it's just such a concentrated offense that it's yeah. a nice stacking opportunity um, in terms of, Hey, put three guys on here and just get all these points. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, with Watson off Stroud on my, my list right now is Stroud fields and Goff in that same game, uh, Kyler in that same game with Stroud and then Howell and, and Purdy, which um, Howell is just like, to me, you play him every week. Uh, even if you're a single entry three max player, you consider him every week. And Purdy's like a cheat code this week against that uh, Tampa pass funnel defense, you know, where are the 49ers going to score 30 plus points again for the 12th time in 16 games? Probably because Trent Williams is healthy and all of their weapons are healthy. And every single time that's been the case or all but one time that's been the case, they've scored 30 plus points playing this Bucks team that they can score points against playing at home, a Bucks team that everybody passes the ball against. So, uh, Purdy, you know, you're probably not getting like 35 to 40 from Purdy, which kind of becomes that thing of like last week, I got 29 from Howell and that's tremendous. I got 25 or whatever from Purdy. And that's tremendous at their price tags. But then Dak goes out and puts up 41. Or, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I had a little bit of Dak, but not enough Dak. And, um, so yeah, if there's a quarterback who does that, then, you know, same thing two weeks ago with Stroud putting up 46. Um, and I had Dak that week at 32, right, uh, as my highest owned quarterback. So if there's a quarterback who goes out and puts up that monster game, then you're kind of behind the eight ball with with a guy like Purdy or even a guy like Howell. But, um, you know, Goff's not, Goff's not putting up 40-plus points. And so unless, like, Fields or Kyler does it or, or Stroud does it, which, again, that's, you know, his only game north of, like, 26 points was that 46-point or so. Um, yeah, just it, it's – these guys are really sharp plays this week because if they get you those 25 to 30, that probably plays on this particular week. Okay, sweet. I, I do have a wild card before we start making like a build um, just throughout their quarterback wise. What do you think about uh, Will Levis? He's, he's on my list is like questionable. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing with, with, so I've talked about this thing of like not latching onto a negative data point. Right. Yeah. Um, First thing I did this week, flipping through the slate, one of the very first thoughts I had was, oh, don't play DeAndre Hopkins this week. And mm -hmm. the thought process was, so what are the Jags good at and bad at on defense? It's funny because the Jags, you look at 
on the DraftKings app, you see this green 30th next to Will Levis. Like the Jags are the third worst defense against quarterbacks, the third best defense for picking on uh, with quarterbacks. But the Jags rank sixth in DVOA on defense uh, in terms of EPA per play, which ex expected points added per play, which is one of the best metr metrics to look at. Uh, they're top five against the run and the pass. So that's – and DVOA is not as results-based, and then EPA is results-based. So like from both standpoints – the Jags have been excellent. So why have they put up these bad numbers? Well, what the Jags have is a really good secondary, really sticky secondary, really fast secondary, but a poor pass rush. So if, if the rush isn't getting to the quarterback, that gives enough time for these guys to separate or, you know, the two bad, really bad games the Jags have had been against Shanahan and against Bobby Slowick with the Texans, uh, where, you know, they're this Shanahan design where they're getting guys, scheming guys open, uh, and then there's no pass rush. So they're able to get the, the ball to these guys in space. Um, and what, what is DeAndre Hopkins? Well, DeAndre Hopkins is not a guy who separates. He's a guy who catches tight window passes. So if he's a guy who separates and there's a bad pass rush, that gives him more time to separate against, you know, a, a good secondary because the pass rush isn't getting there. If he's not a guy who separates, then it's just like a bad matchup because you've got these fast, sticky cover corners against a guy who doesn't separate. And he's like, DeAndre Hopkins wins by catching contested passes, but these guys are going to be better than most teams at, at uh, defending contested passes. And that was like immediately. And then like, as I was scrolling through doing practice builds, I kept jumping over DeAndre Hopkins. And then it was like, dude, that's one data point. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing to look at and say, oh, Hopkins won't do well because of this. And then he could go out and put up eight catches for 140 yards and a touchdown. And I'm like, well, shoot, like on Monday night, I crossed him off my list and never considered him again because of one negative data point. So uh, that's kind of like, if I break the matchup down with NFL knowledge, then it's like, oh no, like, I'm not on Levis. I'm not on Hopkins because yeah. Levis kind of needs Hopkins in order to, to hit. Yeah. But then when you like zoom out and you say, well, you, everybody throws the ball against Jacksonville. We know that Tennessee kind of doesn't lean toward what opponents want them to do nearly as much as other teams, but still they're going to throw the ball. They're going to probably be trailing in this game. And you get nice bringbacks with Ridley, with Kirk, with Ingram, with ETN. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I think it's viable, right? Levis has that big arm. Uh, he can hit some big plays against Jacksonville. So yeah, the, the NFL knowledge logic side of my brain says cross that off your list. But then in terms of what, what could win you a tournament. And if I knew let if I were just like a DFS grinder playing all the slates, I would look at this spot and be like, okay, Hopkins is interesting. Levis is interesting, you know, roll some of those out there. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to actually side with you on that one and say like, what is Levis is probably last week. He was the third highest owned quarterback and he, he burned everybody. Right. So like, yeah. He's probably going to be 3% owned, something like that. That's um, yeah. If you're on five, 6% of your rosters, you're materially overweight the field. If he misses, that doesn't kill your weekend. But if he hits, you have that opportunity for it to make your weekend. And, um, you know, you one of the things I – like, let's take Howell. Let's say Howell goes for 30 points. Well, you still have so much guesswork as to who hits with him. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, McLaurin has three games of double-digit targets – and four games of six or fewer targets. Um, Jahan Dotson has one game of more than eight targets or two games of more than eight targets. Logan Thomas has one game of more than eight targets. So it's like you could get Howell right and there's still a bunch of guesswork, right? Like yeah. you could have 30 Howell rosters and have to mix and match them a bunch of different ways and still only get like six of them right or eight of them right. Whereas Levis, you could play six rosters or eight rosters. And if you get Levis right, you get the stacking partner right. So that's a big advantage with Levis as well is just that like knowing where the ball is going on that offense. Um, you can play fewer rosters and give yourself like just as many bites at, at the apple at getting things correct as you can with DeAndre Hopkins. So yeah, I like that um, in terms of like throwing out some Levis rosters. I don't know for sure that I'll do that. I'll definitely have some Hopkins just because I'm like, I'm training myself to say like, okay, here's the negative data point, but then also does this guy have a tournament winning ceiling? You know, and, and if the answer is yes, and it's like, well, like, let me jump. Let me hurdle over that negative data point that's sticking in my mind and take some shots on him. So, uh, yeah, interesting question. Glad we got a chance to talk about that one. And, and it's cool. Like, we look at the top of the uh, talking about like the numbers next to these quarterbacks. You look at the top of the the app, and you've got Josh Allen playing against the Jets with the red sixth. You've got Tua playing against the Raiders with the red eighth. You've got uh, Herbert playing against the Packers with the red second. You've got Dak playing against Carolina with the red seventh. And so not to say that those are matchups we have to avoid, and those are certainly matchups that our competition will be leaning into to some extent. But just to say, like, 
the, all the guys at the top are in kind of negative matchups for one reason or another. Like Green Bay is not good against the pass, but teams bias heavily toward the run against them, right? Which is why they have low quarterback numbers against. Um, same thing with Las Vegas. Las Vegas, uh, one of the few teams in the NFL that's just like dramatically better from an EPA standpoint to run against than to pass against, or like the gap between how valuable it is to run versus pass is great. Same thing with uh, Carolina. Like Carolina allows, they're like, I think only four teams in the NFL allow a positive EPA per rush play. And Carolina is one of them. And then Carolina allows a negative EPA per pass play. So it's like, you literally are losing ground when you pass against, like you're losing expected points when you pass against Carolina, gaining expected points when you run against them. So it's just like situations where the teams could, it's not that the matchup is going to kill Dak or Herbert or Tua. It's just that like they, these price tags. And so, um, yeah, it becomes an interesting week where some of these guys we're talking about become a lot more viable and, and, not to say that I won't eventually gravitate toward one or two of those guys, but uh, just an interesting way that the week sets up for sure. Sweet. Uh, love that insight. With that, let's, uh, let's build a roster. Let's get to um, it. Looks like we got two days, 23 hours, and 31 minutes till kickoff. So we got we still got some time. <laughs> <laughs> a little countdown clock up there. Um, yeah, you got any thoughts? I mean, I think we should essentially start this roster with a a team or a game so uh you got a team or a game you want to start with yeah um either i want to do either like the lions or the niners uh if you're cool with that absolutely yeah so the uh lions give us opportunity for a bring back the niners uh i looked at this last week in the player grid or somewhere but basically broke down that like the majority of the time that stacking up the 49ers has been the way to win a tournament since Brock Purdy took over. The majority of those games, no bring back has been the way to play it because just like the 49ers dominate. So yeah, um, uh, yeah we can kind of go like 49ers with no bring back or obviously we could do the bring back, but just like pl the most plus EV way is no bring back. Um, we can do 49ers with no bring back or Lions with some uh, some Bears bring back. So which way you want to go there? Man, let's do the, uh, let's do the Niners. All right. So we're throwing Purdy and then the question becomes – do we want to try to isolate just one pass catcher or do we want to go uh, pass catcher plus Christian McCaffrey? Well, I mean, it's a very, aren't they a pass funnel defense? Pass funnel defense. Uh, McCaffrey has, you know, he was in that same division with the Buccaneers for a long time. Historically, mm -hmm. he's had, you know, lower games against them because everybody has lower games against them. Yeah. Uh, that said, he didn't play against them in 2022 before the trade. He didn't play against them in 2021, or maybe he played against them like once in 2021 uh, and like didn't play against them in 2020 or once in 2020 because of all these injuries that he had. So like we're really scraping back to 2019 for that. And then he actually played the Bucks with the 49ers last year, had 119 rushing yards, uh, 34 receiving yards, two touchdowns. So, you know, in this offense, anything is possible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily just chop him off the list, but it is – uh, a severely negative spot for running backs in general. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's a special situation, 49ers offense, special situation. But um, I'm fine leaving him off, right? And then we can say, well, that just gives us more salary flexibility. Realistically, if you're building some party rosters, you want to build them both ways. But yeah, um, but yeah I mean, uh, I, we can go with no McCaffrey on this one. This kind of gives us a chance to talk about some other running backs. Um, yeah, I like as that well. a lot. Um, um, so thoughts on pass catchers. Obviously, we know Kittle doesn't typically hit when Debo and Ayuk and, and McCaffrey are out there. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 11th in the NFL in targets per route run, second in the NFL in yards per route run. So the only reason he's not like a top five fantasy wide receiver is because he doesn't run as many routes because the 49ers don't pass as much as most teams. So uh, in a spot where they could be passing more, uh, Brandon Ayuk stands out as like, oh, this guy's like a top five wide receiver. If he were running 35 to 40 routes a game, uh, he's just not in most games. So if we think that they're passing more, he becomes very interesting. And then obviously like that, that's just kind of like the logic tree on it. But Debo is also just a dude who is that guy, right? Like he can always hit as well. So uh, I'm fine going with, with either of those um, on this roster. Okay, sweet. And we're not doing a bring back solely because they just dominate. Yeah. I mean, so there's, there's that outside chance that, you know, Mike Evans has hit twice this year and I don't want to, I don't want to overrate something like this, but I've been on Mike. I've rostered Mike Evans twice this year. 
and it was last week against Tennessee and it was whatever that was week two or yeah, week two against Chicago. Like those are the two times that I was like, Oh, you know what? Mike Evans is actually a really sharp play this week. And, and so I say that to say, you can kind of spot the spots where, um, I mean, those are like really bad pass defenses that aren't able to contend with big body dudes running down the field. Whereas, um, you know, he'll hit some plays here, maybe get 18, 20 points, but harder for him to have like a 30 plus point game against the 49ers. So yeah, uh, yeah, realistically, the likeliest outcome is like a, you know, 35 to 14 or 35, 17 or 42 to 10. One of those types of games that the 49ers can have, uh, which means a bring back isn't necessary. Okay, cool. Um, well then let's just not do a bring back and let's go with Debo, maybe try and save some salary here. I like it. I like it. Be playing CMC. Yep. See what we can do. Cool. Um, we can go to this line. So this, I was going to say we can go to this Lions and Bears game and do like a little little correlated pairing. Um, this this Lions and Bears game is so interesting. So the Bears, Matt Eberflus is the Bears head coach. Used to be the Colts defensive coordinator. Uh, he runs this Tampa two defense, and everything in Eberflus's defense funnels passes away from wide receivers uh, and toward tight ends and running backs. So there were like years where the, the Colts didn't have like elite talent on the outside, but they would year in and year out be like a bottom three matchup for wide receivers and the top matchup in the NFL for pass catching running backs. Uh, so what's interesting here, actually, just like Eberflus's uh, old Colts defenses, the Bears are really good against the run. In fact, by by like EPA per play, they are the single best defense in the NFL against the run teams see that teams actually throw the ball at a pretty high rate against Chicago. So we shouldn't like running backs aren't really the way to go here. But what's interesting is uh, since that Mike Evans game in week two, they've allowed I think it's like one wide receiver to go over 79 yards against them. Um, So like Chicago has been, I'm going to try to find this. Um, uh, okay, so as counterintuitively, the Bears have gone eight consecutive games. Here we go. This is nuts. The Bears have gone eight consecutive games without allowing a wide receiver to top 65 yards against them. Uh, a stretch that includes games against Washington, Minnesota, without Jefferson, but with Cousins, uh, Las Vegas, the Chargers, New Orleans, and Carolina. So that's McLaurin, Addison, Devontae, Keenan Allen, Alave and Shahid, and Adam Thielen. None of them topped 65 yards in this matchup. So uh, it's one of those where you look at it and you're like, well, dude, the Bears, they're bad against the pass. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to smash in this spot. And I think a lot of people will lean into that. And he's one of those, like we said, with CMC against the Bucks. Like you don't want to overrate the matchup, but it's yeah. also one of those that if all of your competition doesn't understand the matchup, there is an edge in just saying like, well, like, you know, we play out the site a hundred times. There's going to be times when St. Brown hits, Yeah, but it's going to be at a lower rate than the field is going to think. And I could see him being one of these guys who, you know, you look at these wide receivers at the top, Tyree kill probably still going to be popular, even though the Raiders don't give up a lot of uh, production to wide receivers, but um, CD lamb against Carolina, maybe gets a little bit lower ownership digs against the jets. Definitely gets lower ownership. Uh, Keenan Allen against green Bay, potentially if, if people understand that teams run the ball against green Bay, gets a little bit lower ownership. And you see Amon Ross St. Brown, he doesn't have that red number next to his name. And it's like, Oh, this dude's going to smash this week. So I think he's a very comfortable play. Like he's a very comfortable button to push, which means I could see him being 20, 25% owned. And we play out the slate a hundred times, man. He's not putting up 30 plus points, 20 to 25% of the time. So um, yeah, I think there's some edge in going a different direction. Then the question I'm, I'm stuck with is like, yeah, but who do you play on the lions? Right. Because the way to attack them is, is tight ends, but also tight ends or like pass catching running backs, but is Gibbs going to get enough work at seven K to be like, Oh, pass catching running back, like throw them out there. Um, bears have been atrocious against running backs through the air, but does Gibbs get, you know, three catches last week with David Montgomery back. So it's like, does he get enough work in that area for it to really matter? So yeah, it's, um, kind of started that out to say like, yeah, hey, we should have a, a lions bears mini pairing, but then it's kind of like this Lions situation is very interesting. It could be one of those games, you know, lions spread the ball around. It could be one of those games where they score 30 plus points, but there's not like at their price tags, not a single guy who really was a nice tournament play. Yeah. Um, lots of guys get involved. Nobody really sees concentrated targets except St. Brown. And uh, it's not, not as great of a spot for him as people might think. So um, and yeah. Also, like there is that underlying fear of, does the coach switch back the roles or do they both just split 
the carries between yeah. Gibbs and Montgomery. So yeah. that's also a big thing, especially at their price tags. It's something you really don't want. So yeah, I think at this point we're definitely going to keep seeing a split because one of the things you know we we've talked about this before, but coaches don't care about statistics. I mean, there are guys like there are guys like Sean Payton, Kyle Shanahan who will go out of their way to get like their player a record if it's something like that. But in terms of like, Oh, this guy got this many touches and this many yards, they don't coaches don't care about that. Right. They care about the win. And one of the things that the Ben Johnson and the lions are so good at is keeping a defense off balance. The chargers talked last week about uh, after they played the, the lions, they said basically like everything they had prepared for on defense, the lions did the opposite. And uh, if you kind of break down that game, everything that the chargers were calling on defense the Bears were doing something that like countered what the Chargers were calling, right? And so that's kind of how the Lions succeed on offense. Isn't like, oh, we've got this one great weapon. It's not Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, where it's like, hopefully this connection works today. For the Lions, it's like, dude, we have so much that we can do, and we're gonna throw Khalif Raymond at you and Jameson Williams and Josh Reynolds and St. Brown and Laporta and Gibbs and Montgomery and like all these guys are gonna be involved. They're all gonna be used in different ways. Um, this is gonna build off this. This is gonna play off that and keep you off balance. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to have these lions games where they put up a bunch of points and nobody really produces. Um, yeah, probably for any of you watching this, probably a pretty valuable discussion on this particular week, unless that ends up being one of those negative data points that doesn't like play out, uh, you know, in the small sample size of this yeah. week, but the, that, that is very much like, it's one of those spots where if there's a matchup component that is very real and that the field won't, be aware of or understand there is always an edge over time and just being like, well, let me lean into that because we know it could play out the other way, but like the field is going to overrate the spot for the lions and, and their ability to predict who's going to hit in this spot. So yeah, maybe we don't go, um, maybe we don't go with a mini correlated pairing there and just kind of go a different direction. Any thoughts on um, what, what we might want to do next on this roster? Um, we could, I mean, we just talked about not even grabbing anything off the lions, but we could um, grab Sam Laporta. If you wanted, if, if, if we don't see any other opportunity. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at 5,800, when you compare them to, you know, only one game this year over 20 DraftKings points, um, you know, no games. Uh, yeah. Only one game over three games over 19 DraftKings points. Um, but all of those were kind of supported by touchdown. So it's not like he doesn't have like a downfield role. Um, you compare him to the wide receivers price round, kind of the opposite of what we're talking about with the cheaper tight ends. You compare him to the wide receivers priced around him. Um, obviously Amari doesn't have a quarterback anymore, but just for sake of example, right? Like Amari 27.6 points with Deshaun Watson, 27.9 points with Deshaun Watson. DeAndre Hopkins has this 38, 37 pointer on his ledger and a 25 pointer on his ledger. Uh, Tank Dell has uh, a 32 pointer, a 28 pointer on his ledger. So you are kind of sacrificing some ceiling by spending that salary on Laporta. But okay. um, you know, if, if we want to say like, and that's not to say that that I won't have any Laporta. It's just like that's going to be a tougher one for me to pull the trigger on from um from like a salary allocation standpoint. So um, just grabbing like as a one off then. So you wouldn't really use Laporta this week as a one off, more so as a stack. I think that if I'm playing Laporta, it's probably going to be in stacks around that game. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. then you're saying like like last week um, broke down all the reasons why like Keenan Allen was a bad one off. But if you're stacking up that game that's where you play Keenan Allen. Cause then you're just like, dude, I'm just betting on this game going nuts. And if this game yeah. goes nuts, like I don't want to try to predict who gets the points. Like I just want guys from the, like guys who are involved in this offense. So yeah, like Laporta, I kind of see him as this guy who, if I'm building golf and fields rosters, he's going to be in the mix more. Same with, same with Amon Ross St. Brown, where I can look at this list and like, dude, eight straight games, all these good wide receivers, none of them top 65 yards. Like I probably won't play a lot of St. Brown as a one-off. But if you're just playing that game environment, you're just betting on it being like a 35 to 31 game, in which case I'm not overthinking like the matchups and all that. It's just like, dude, like somebody's going to be scoring the points and the guys who are most involved are the likeliest to be scoring those points. So, yeah, that's where I see La Laporta fitting in for me. OK, sweet. Well, then where would you like to go um, on tight end? Like what, what do you see some spots where like you could use a one off on a tight end? I like uh, Trey McBride this week. Um, yeah, I mean, Trey McBride's one of those that it's so obvious that you almost feel like a fish playing him. You're like, <laughs> you're like, I must be one of the dummies who's just like <laughs> playing this guy. And like, you're going to hear sharp people be like, don't play Trey McBride. But no, nah, dude, like, I mean, this guy was a second round pick last year and most, uh, most tight ends this year has been unique with 
Musgrave and Laporta and Kincaid, but like historically tight ends take two to three years to really get their feet under them because the, the, there's so much asked of the tight end position in the NFL. So, um, you know, this is a dude who was a second round pick last year and now getting a chance to start, um, you know, 14 and nine targets, uh, 95 and 131 yards, you know, in, in two of these last three games. So no, I very much like, uh, McBride and it's a great tight end matchup as well. So McBride, Evan Ingram, um, both really attractive guys down here. Um, yeah, let's throw in McBride. Let's go ahead and do that. Awesome. And then let's get that good old sense of salary with the defense. Yeah. What are you, what are you seeing with, um, with defense? Um, I honestly haven't like dived into defenses too much. I like, I've just like, when I, if I do a practice build, I'll pick just a a cheap defense is what I've been usually doing. Um, Obviously the Cowboys, but again, they're like 4k. You never want to spend 4k. You want to go down here and you want to spend whatever, you know, 20. Yeah. You know, one, one defense that I've been kind of eyeing is Miami at home against Aiden O'Connell. Actually, Let's check the Miami weather forecast uh, to see. Hit, hit up Google for the Miami 10-day weather forecast. So uh, <laughs> Sunday, 81 degrees, uh, 67% humidity. Um, I'm sure we've talked about this on the show before, but for anybody who's not aware of this, uh, Miami Stadium is situated so that the yeah. opposing team stands in the sun all game. Um yeah, I mean, th- these guys play in, these guys live in Las Vegas. They don't practice outside in Las Vegas, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it's not like they're they're not used to heat. But that's a very different heat in Las Vegas than it is in Miami. And, yeah, it's just a, it's a tough place to play in, you know, in November when you're not used to 81 degrees and high humidity and then going out there and, and sprinting around all game against this, this fast team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Miami defense is interesting if we want to pay up a little bit. Um I think that, you know, Sam Howell's really gotten the, the sacks under control. His time to throw has sped up a ton recently, so I'm going to skip over the Giants defense. Giants, who uh, had a really good game against Howell last time. Uh, and again, this isn't that's not a final decision for anybody watching. It's just like where my thoughts are right now. Um, you've got uh, Pittsburgh taking on Dorian Thompson-Robinson. You've got um, Cleveland taking on Pittsburgh. You have uh, the Commanders taking on Tommy DeVito. So, yeah, there's a lot of different ways we could go. As far as cheap defenses, I mean, I really don't know what's the cheap defense this week. Um, you know, the Panthers are a team that is average to slightly above average at defense. And you look through their game logs, like one game of negative points. Uh, that was against Detroit. They had four points at Miami, uh, eight points against Stroud, uh, seven points against Bajan. So that doesn't really count. Um, seven points against Derek Carr. So, you know, they could get you four to six to seven points and, and cost absolutely nothing. Uh, the Jets against Buffalo, obviously, you know, super elite defense and, you know, consistently one game of four points, one game of five points, everything else seven and above. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that those are kind of the cheap defenses that I've seen so far, but. I mean, um, they did have a 20 point game against Buffalo last time. Yeah. I mean, that was like an all time, all time bad game for Josh Allen yeah. um, on the road on what was that Monday night football, first week of the season, Sunday night football, something yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would, I like right now I'm gravitating toward kind of getting up to this dolphins and above range, but, um, it, you know, an extra 600 isn't if, if it's like, well, I'm not playing the Panthers. So let me go to the jets and then you're like, uh, the jets against Josh Allen on the road or 600 more for the dolphins against Aiden O'Connell at home, you know? So uh, I do think, and he kind of gives you a chance to play off of the Miami offense saying, Miami scores points, forces the Raiders to throw the ball more than they want to with Aiden O'Connell and um, make some mistakes, you know, against that uh, deceptive zone defense of the Dolphins, you know, maybe gets one of those pick sixes. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking Dolphins and above right now. Cool. Let's do Dolphins. All right. You know, one quarterback we haven't talked about is uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who looked awesome in preseason and then atrocious in his first start against the Ravens and, you know, sat behind PJ Walker after that. But uh, I do think, in, you know, we brought up Levis. I do think in large field play, um, having a little bit of DTR is actually kind of interesting this week. There he is. Uh, okay. 
You said he sat behind PJ Walker, correct? Yeah. So he um, he's a rookie, um, super athletic dude. And uh, basically like the expectation was that he might not make the team. Uh, he did such a good job in, you know, PJ Walker had to step in for some starts last year with Carolina and looked way better than he's looked this year. It didn't look great, but looked way better than he's looked this year. So uh, the Browns felt comfortable with like PJ Walker as their number two. They got rid of Josh Dobbs, traded him to the Cardinals, for, uh, traded him and a seventh round pick to pick up a fifth round pick to the Cardinals. And basically to say like, Hey, let's keep DTR as our like long-term project quarterback. Um, then, you know, uh, Watson missed, they, they felt comfortable enough to put DTR in over PJ Walker on a short week, short notice against the Baltimore Ravens. And he just got absolutely smashed. But I mean, we know how good that Ravens defense is. Yeah. So, and also not, not just like good talent wise, but they are one of the most confusing defenses for quarterbacks. So you throw a guy in there in his first game, uh, not, that, not that the Steelers are like a soft matchup, but I just think, you know, Steelers are, I think they're like fifth in yards allowed per game. And they're just really good in the red zone. They're like the 11th best scoring defense, but they're one of the worst like yards allowed defenses. So it's not like a brutal matchup for DTR. I'm talking about guys who can run and get some upside. Like he's the kind of guy who could pick up 60 yards in the ground and he's got all those weapons, um, you know, pick up 200 yards through the air. That's 14 points right there. So if he adds a touchdown or two on the ground, um, he's just like an interesting large field tournament play. Not, not sharp for, kind of what we're talking about here of building a practice build, getting a feel for the site. But I just wanted to bring that up that he is an interesting guy to consider in, in large field tournaments. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Thanks for that. I didn't even um, consider him. It's kind of like Will Levis's first game, right? Like where just people just aren't going to consider it. And yeah. we've seen Levis, you know, kind of bomb from a, from a fantasy perspective in back-to-back games, but that first game he put up 26 points or whatever it was. Right. So like the, the point is that these guys are capable of putting up those types of games and, and, DTR looked really good in the preseason so that, you know, it's not like we haven't seen him play well against uh, NFL caliber players. Um, with that, we should probably move forward on this roster. We got 6K in salary left. Um, what do you think? You want to swing over to the running back position and get a sense of, of what we want to do here? Um, Brian Robinson, what do you think about him this week? I won't argue against him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we looked through his game logs. He's got, three games of more than 14 carries and two of those were weeks one and two when this offense, you know, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, still kind of trying to figure out how they want to play uh, their offense. So I kind of look at him as like a 10 to 14 carry guy. Um, you know, most games, two catches. So the big thing for him is just all the touchdowns. You got eight touchdowns and it's not, that's not fluky, right? Obviously the, the long touchdowns last week, but a lot of red zone opportunities inside the 10 opportunities for brian robinson so uh not a guy i've really been highlighting on my end but yeah no he's definitely viable in terms of can this guy get you a tournament winning score right and when we one of the ways we can look at running back is like volume is so predictable with running backs and therefore production is pretty predictable and so you take the high floor guys with a high ceiling but the other way you can look at running back is just does this guy have a high ceiling and through that lens brian robinson does so um yeah, uh, I'm I'm down with Brian Robinson. Let's go ahead and throw him on this roster. Okay, and then um, here's an interesting one. What about the narrative where the Browns are going to be throwing a lot less because they have a rookie quarterback, or because they have a not as good quarterback, and so they're going to be running the ball a little bit more? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And they're playing against Pittsburgh, who kind of plays for the fourth quarter anyway, and isn't going to jump out to. I mean, it's going to be like both teams just trying to gain an edge heading into the fourth quarter. Um, so you think in Jerome Ford here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, 18 touches last week, 25 touches the week before, uh, had the game where he was uh, only played the second half and had 10 touches, had the game where he got hurt and only had 13 touches. So throw both those out the window. If we throw both those out the window, his last three games are 18, 25 and 19 touches. Uh, very much expect that, you know, he's, I got a little, um, I got a little shook by, you know, heavy forward exposure against Arizona on the week when he had 25 touches and he put up only 12.7 points. But part of that's because he is like a kind of a home run hitter. He tries to hit the big play. And so if, if he's not hitting the big play, then he ends up, you know, getting stuffed for shorter gains and the yards just don't pile up. So this is why we see, you know, games of 44 yards, 37 yards, 26 yards, 18 yards, but then also games of 107, 74, 84, 106. Um, 
So kind of like a wide range of outcomes, but he gets enough touches that even these bad games for him is they're not awful games. They're not roster killing games, um, you know, throughout the Seattle game. Cause again, that's the one where he only played in the second half. So all these games, like 9.5 points are better. 9.5 was against Baltimore too. So uh, all the rest of his games, 11.1 or better. That was against San Francisco. Uh, all his other games, 12.7 or better. So yeah, no, I like, I like Jerome Ford a lot this week. And um, assuming Damian Pierce is out, I've actually run a number of practice builds that are Singletary and Ford um, because you free up so much salary for, for other things. And, um, you know, pricing psychology, we can look at the price tags on guys and be like, oh, these guys are only worth this or these other guys are worth this. But the, in terms of workload, these guys are seeing what the higher price guys are seeing. And uh, so, yeah, no, I like I like um, throwing Jerome Ford on here. And then we have nice flexibility with our salary as well from here. Sweet. So we're going to put him on there with the hopes of an uptick in the volume. He already does get a decent amount of volume, but uh, we'll hope for some more. Yep. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh Interesting, Ooh, interesting cool. slate at wide receiver, right? Where we've got, um, we kind of touched on some of the 5K guys who are capable of putting up big games. And then we've got, um, you know, not, not only like, like I'll have some Tyree kill this week. It's not a spot where uh, I don't want to say he's not going to, but it's highly unlikely that he puts up one of his like 40 to 50 point games. Um, teams lean toward the ground against the Raiders. Miami should be in control of this game. The Raiders don't, don't typically allow downfield passing, but also like Carolina doesn't allow downfield passing. And he caught six passes for 163 yards against him because he's Tyree Kill. So uh, I think Tyree Kill is probably the most interesting of these ultra expensive guys to me. I expect the Cowboys to lean more run heavy in this one, harder time for uh, CeeDee Lamb to hit. Uh, Diggs can put up, you know, kind of a 20 to 30 pointer against the Jets, but that's probably his ceiling. Um the Chargers aren't going to be pushed in this game against Green Bay. I expect them to lean on the ground. We already talked about ARSB. So um, in terms of it's like 8.8K and above, Tyreek Hill is my favorite. Just to throw my thoughts out there uh, for you, for viewers. Uh, Cooper Cup, obviously very interesting this week. Uh, Devontae Adams, my thought currently is hard for him to pay off that price tag at a had-to-have-it level with Aiden O'Connell throwing him the ball. Like no matter how many targets he gets, it's just hard for – a guy like Aiden O'Connell to like, could Devontae score 30? Yes. Can he score like 40 and like bury you for not having him? No. And like the downside is really low. So like you take on really low downside and the ceiling's probably around 25 to 30. So those are just my initial thoughts on kind of all these um, expensive guys. And then we get down into like the waddles and feeling against Dallas and, and Mike Evans against San Francisco, uh, Brandon Ayuk, who we're not playing because we already have Debo. So um, in terms of like these top guys for me, it's Tyreek and uh, Cup. But yeah, curious if you've had any thoughts on these guys or kind of been leaning in any direction in, in your early thoughts on this slate. Yeah, so my early thoughts have kind of been mostly similar. I've, I really just avoided the, the top guys altogether. Um, it, it's like I look, the way I look at these like expensive guys is it's like, okay, are they more likely to hit 25 points or 40 points? Obviously, the 40 pointers are always going to be hard to find, but on this slate against this team, can they hit a 40 pointer out of a hundred times, like one or two? Yes. Can they do it 10 times? Probably not. So I, I avoid, like you said, the top five, unless I'm stacking them with that team. And I think and it's a really play. sharp way to assess that because it's like people, you know, we talked about this for years with Keenan Allen, which has gone out of the window this year and this Kellen Moore offense, but uh, where Keenan Allen, like always high ownership rates, always double digit DraftKings points. And heading into this year, he had like, I forget what it was, like one game in his last 30 of like more than 25 DraftKings points, you know? And so people get too fixated on, oh, I'm getting points from this guy. And those points are definitely going to be there that that you squeeze down your salary. So it's like, if you roster one of these guys and he gets you 25 points, you're not like beating yourself up, but you're also probably not winning a tournament, right? So uh, I always say like 30 pointers are always valuable. So if you play because there's only going to be a handful of those on, on most slates. So if you play Tyree Kill and he gets you 30, that's still excellent. And I'll have some Tyree Kill because he can do that. And because he's actually capable of like in just a random non-great game environment going for 35 or 40 because he can score from anywhere. But um, generally speaking, it's like if these guys aren't getting you 35 or if you don't think they can get you 35 plus, you don't want to be targeting them. So it's like maybe they all score 30 and, and you didn't have them, but like that doesn't kill you. 
And you're, what you're asking is not, can they score 30? Yes, they can. But it's like, how likely is it that they get up to that 30, 35, 40 point range? And if you don't think it's likely they get up to the 35, 40 point range, they're really not that valuable um, to pursue on the site. It's better to go other directions. Uh, any thoughts on, on Cooper Cup then? Um, no, I honestly haven't really looked at this game. Um, Cup's kind of been invisible just because of the, the quarterback situation. So yeah, yeah. Um, no, I haven't. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, Stafford coming back, uh, this game actually uh, Rams and Seahawks tend to actually be pretty low scoring, but it has that opportunity to be kind of a higher scoring game. I actually haven't even looked through. It might be the Seahawks. There's like one team that Cup has traditionally done poorly against in his division. It might actually be uh, the Seahawks. But no, like generally speaking, I just think, you know, if I think the Cooper Cup will be pretty invisible to people. Right. And so when that's the case, I kind of want to consider him, but um, yeah, you know, and there's also like, we can go much cheaper at wide receiver, still target 30 point scores and then just have some salary left over to see where we want to play with it or to go like Austin Eckler at, at our flex spot or something like that. So um, yeah. Where, where, what are you thinking then for wide receiver? Um, well, I mean, we're kind of short on time, but I do want to ask like two uh, specific questions. So uh, Marquise Brown and Tank Dell, can you use these two guys without their quarterbacks? Like, are they most of the time going to hit with their quarterback or is it possible that the quarterback is going to get you like 20 points whilst they can get you 35 to 40 points? Yeah. So a couple of things to look for there are how concentrated is the offense in terms of like, you know, like Justin Jefferson, right? All that, all those times where, Jefferson would hit for a tournament winning score and cousins didn't. And it's because like so many of the passes go to Jefferson that Jefferson can go for 140 yards and cousins doesn't top 300. Right. Uh, so Texans pretty concentrated offense. Uh, and then the other thing I'll typically look at is um, what is the pricing setup? Right. So the fact that Stroud is seven K, but tank Dell is down here in the five K range, like tank Dell, even if he gets you 22, 23 points, that's pretty great. And if he gets you 22, 23, that does not mean that Stroud's paying off a 7K price tag, you know? Um, and then we can even just look at like what has happened on the year where uh, Dell has a 28 pointer where Stroud would not have been viable at his salary on that, at his, at his current salary on that particular week. He has a 20 pointer where Stroud would not have been viable at his current salary. He has an 18 pointer where Stroud wasn't viable at his current salary or not, 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 not viable, but like he wasn't the guy that you needed to pay up for. So um, no, definitely take Dell can hit without, um, without Stroud hitting, uh, definitely Marquise Brown can hit without Kyler hitting because it's such a concentrated offense. There are so few weapons there. So, uh, we already have Trey McBride on this roster. So I'm sure we'll skip over Hollywood on this roster, but just to answer that question, definitely both of them, um, can hit without their, without their quarterback hitting. Uh, currently Nico Collins has said he is playing this week, but then Noah Brown missed practice yesterday. So, um, ideally we get, um, Okay, now newest reported is Brown remained sideline practice today as well. So um, ideally, we get you know one of these guys missing because then we get um, like a much more certain target distribution here. Uh, and if we throw in Tank Dell, we've got this nice little correlated pairing with Tank Dell and Trey McBride. Sweet. Um, I kind of want to do a little cheap, cheap, expensive, or I guess there's really not much on the. Uh expensive side what would we even try? i mean we could go tyree kill if we wanted to do that yeah. um and we'd have 4.1k in salary left over which would actually be enough for cole commit if we wanted to do one of these tight end in the flex rosters yeah. uh or we could go like austin eckler and somebody else or i kind of like the hill and i kind of like the hill and commit yeah okay yeah like who's gonna, who's gonna roll this roster out there you know what i mean and yeah. when you kind of look through it it's like uh Debo can score 30, Tank Dell can score 30, Tyreek can score 30, Komet can score 25, McBride can score 25, uh, Brian Robinson has scored 30 already this year, Ford can score 25. So, I mean, there's just like a ton of upside packed onto this roster in a really unique setup. So, um, yeah, I actually really like this build. Sweet. Yeah, me too, man. Um, I'm happy we got the running backs um, so easily, but they also, you know, they look good on top of just a cheaper, a cheaper side, you know, we've yeah. had running backs, but we still have a lot of upside. 
Yeah, yeah. We didn't have to take any of the like super, super value wide receivers where you're like, hopefully they don't kill me. Hopefully they get me 12 points, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're, we're like, this whole roster is pretty balanced, but we're still able to fit in Tyreek Hill because Brock Purdy's so underpriced and because we went for the cheaper running backs who who still have ceiling. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that this is, and this is kind of how I'll be building this week is like start with the, what team or, or game I want to build around, um, you know, figure out what that means for running backs and then kind of piece together things from there. So uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, nope. Cool. Uh, good show today. Um, yeah. Like we got to cover a lot. As I mentioned, no show on Saturday this week. So we'll have the FanDuel DFS lab tomorrow. Uh, no second DraftKings DFS lab this week. Uh, check out Hilo on the block party show with Pete Overzet this week. And everything else will be business as usual. Player Grid will come out hopefully a little bit early. I uh, have my Roto Grinder show recording a day early today. Angles Pod going out today. So, uh, yeah, catch everything a little bit early this week. We will see you on one week season throughout the weekend. And we will see you at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday. Mm -hmm.